Well, it's great to have you here. I know that there are a number of you who have joined us recently, and we're thrilled that you're here. And I want to especially uh, give a, a warm welcome to the Heritage College and Seminary students who are back or new to this area. We love having you, and um, we're glad that everyone's here. In fact, this is such a special day that we are are having our ministry fair afterwards, and it's a great way to connect with each other and learn about the ministries, and you get some hot dogs and drinks and corn on the cob if you haven't been full of corn already this summer, okay? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the fact that we have Jesus Christ that you have given to us as the ultimate gift, your son, and that he would come to rescue us from our rebellion and our sin so that we might be able to be given a new life as we believe in him. We believe all these things that we just declared in this creed. God, we pray that you would um, now take that belief and turn it into action, that we would love you, that we would connect with others, and we'd serve the community, God, in powerful ways. And Lord, we just pray this in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And as you're turning there... I want to ask this question, what are your values? What are your values? What drives and guides your actions and your behaviors? Those are your values. Business professor Brené Brown, um, she, she thinks that you should boil down your life to two core values. Now, I think there's more needed than just two. In fact, as we walk through today, we're going to find some values straight from the Word of God. And um, we're going to be finding that in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. You know, um, the big question is, what are your values? And what do you believe? What, what are you um, doing in your life that is driven by these values? And are your values changing for good or for bad? I heard of a young man who will remain nameless who uh, recently um, had his values changed. A few years ago, this, this young man loved music. That was his all-consuming passion. And um, he has a chance to go to a concert tonight. But instead of going to a concert, he'd rather spend time with his wife. His values have changed. Now, I said this man will remain nameless, but... He did marry my daughter, so, um, and I understand why he'd want to spend time with her rather than go to a concert, but it's a reminder that her values change. And so a question for us as we start this kind of new ministry year, are your values still aligned with God's word? Are they centered on Christ and what his words are to us? It's a question that we always need to just continue to come back to as we fix our eyes on Jesus, as we keep our eyes on Jesus. The early church had some values. Just to give you the context before we read our passage today, um, we're going to be reading kind of the back end of the birth of the church. The church is being born at the day of Pentecost. This is what the Acts chapter 2 is. Acts is, uh, if you think about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the stories of Jesus. And then the, the uh, Acts, Acts of the Apostles is the continuation of Jesus' ministry through his disciples called the Apostles. And so we are in chapter 2 just 
to focus in on our core values today. Next week, we're going to go back to Daniel. But we wanted to talk about our three core values here at Temple Baptist Church. And we ground them straight from the early church. See, Christ was preached, the gospel was preached, the good news that Jesus had come to earth, lived a sinless and perfect life. He died on a cross, rose again, and that message was proclaimed. And it says in Acts chapter um, 2, verse 41, those who received his word were baptized and there added that day 3,000 souls. 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. It's a pause moment. It's a Selah moment. It's a reflective moment just to say, would I be added? Would I be included in those 3,000? Do I believe in Jesus? Can I say that I believe all those things that we just sang about? And then we find in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 for 30, 47, what they did, these values. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? And here's what we read in Acts chapter 2. And they, that's the early church, those, those 3,000 souls, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day after day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. And may God add to our number those who are being saved. You may be seated. Here's our core values. The four that we just mentioned in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, is the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread, which could... Um, not just mean breaking bread and being together, but be communion and then prayer, we've boiled those down into three. These are our values here at Temple Baptist Church. Love God, connect with others, and serve the community. We think it encapsulates most of the story that we find in the New Testament. So it's love God, connect with others, and serve the community. Love God is foundational. It's the most important. We start there. Because actually you can connect with others and serve in the community and do so in such a way, listen up, that's selfish, that's self-focused, that's about you and how you feel and what you can get back from connecting with others and serving the community. But if you start with loving God, then your motivations are going to be recalibrated and be correct and honoring to God. One of the verses that maybe this comes to mind to just show that would be 1 Corinthians chapter 13, often called the love chapter. The Apostle Paul writes this, If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, what does it say? Gain nothing. Nothing of eternal value. That's why we need to Make sure that we start with loving God. That we're doing this out of love. Because, you know, there's, there's actually non-government organizations that will encourage the rich to help the poor. And they call it poverty tourism. And it's, it's a way to help us not feel so bad about all that we have. 
And yet, as we just read from this verse, ultimately, when we stand before God, we gain nothing. But if we start with loving God, that changes everything. See, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, helps describe the, the whole motivation and where this love for God and for others comes from. It says, Beloved, let us want to love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. God is love. Um, all the proper love that we are to have for one another in our families and in our relationships, that ultimately comes from God. He is the source of love. But if we don't love, that's a really important moment in our life to reflect and say, well, why am I not loving this person? Because as 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, I just have to pause my, my own life and I have to go, wow, if I don't love other believers in Jesus Christ, if I don't love my neighbor, if I don't love my enemies, then am I truly of the faith in Jesus Christ? It's a question for you to ask yourself before God. Do you have that love for others? You say, well, John, well, how do I get this love? Well, here's how you get the love. It it's, comes from God. You ask God to fill you with his love. See, we know love and hear from God through his word. This is why, back to our passage in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves, that's the early church, the early believers, the first believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It was the word of God. See, Jesus had come to earth. He taught the truth. He, was, he is and he still is the way, the truth, and the life. He taught and then his disciples continued on in that teaching. It's the word of God. That's how we know God ultimately. We know God through Jesus and the continuation of his teaching that his followers, the apostles, gave. And that's how we first and foremost love God. But notice here, there's also fellowship and the breaking of bread, which is often the Lord's Supper or communion, and prayer. We love God through these other things too, as we have communion, as we pray to him, as we talk to him. And this is really important. This is why John Stott, the late great pastor from All Souls Church in London, put it this way. The early church was a learning church, a loving church, a worshiping church and a witnessing church. And we see this as we read this passage, didn't we? The learning part, the loving part, the worshiping and the witnessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why every church that's faithful to Jesus Christ should be learning about him, should be loving him, should be worshiping him, and should be witnessing about him. And we do that as we love God, we connect with others, and we serve the community. What's the greatest commandment that Jesus taught us? That we are to love the Lord God with what? With all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all our soul, and with all our strength, right? With everything that is in us. So it starts with loving God. And today, as you examine your life and the Holy Spirit examines you, ask, Lord, 
fill me with a greater love for everybody. Because the Bible, Bible talks about loving almost every category of person. Your family, believers in Jesus Christ, fellow believers in Jesus Christ, your neighbors, which includes your classmates and your, your um, co-workers, and as well as your enemies. It starts, though, with loving God. So we love God when we read his word, when we pray to him, when we have communion, when we sing praises both privately and publicly, and um, when we thank God, when we thank God for the beautiful sunset, when we thank God for our family and for our friends, and thank God for the opportunity to go to school or learn his word, all these things. What are some other ways that we can worship God? Just shout a few of those out and I'll, I'll echo those things. What are some ways, other ways that we can worship God? Appreciating beauty. What else? Singing? Yes. Serving. What about using your artistic ability? That's another way that you can worship God. Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all for what? The glory of God as we worship him, as we express our love, our adoration, our appreciation for him. So love God. It's foundational. And out of that love comes the next core value, and that's connecting with others. We see this in verse 42. Fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship is critical. It's so critical. Sri Lankan evangelist A.J. Fernando puts it this way. He says this. The most important thing in the first few days after conversion is to have fellowship with other believers. And they say, well, I thought the best thing is to give them a Bible. Well, that's really important. But the most important thing is fellowship. Think about the new babies that we have in our church. When they come into the world, the first thing we do is say, here, read this. Talk to us about this. Do a little dance of praise. No, what do we do for a baby, we, we hold them. We have fellowship with them. And so if you're new to the faith, we so encourage you to have fellowship, to be loved on by God's family. We believe the church, um, as the Bible, is, the Bible describes it, is we are the body of Christ. We express in a physical, tangible way the love of God. And so as new believers, that's why it's so important to be a part of a small group or alpha group or, or a group where you can feel the love of God and sense that. I've um, visited, on, sometimes on your behalf, some countries around the world where believers are impoverished and persecuted. They have to deal with having a lot less than we do, but also dealing with a lot more hardship. And what I've discovered is believers in Christ, whether it's been in Cuba or Togo or um, uh, in India, they love to be with each other. They love to have fellowship. They're in one another's homes. They are uh, wanting to meet multiple times throughout the week in corporate worship and in prayer to, to gather together to have fellowship. That's so critical. And this is what we read here 
in verses 44 through 46. Look what it says. And all who believed were together. They were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions, belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts. This is the, the fellowship that they had, the connection with others. This is what's so important. See, the word for fellowship, some of you know this, in the Greek, in the original Greek, is called koinonia, koinonia. But it's very interesting. In verse 46, it says, remember, I read to you, it just says, see that in verse 46, it says, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. The word generous has konoikos. So it's rooted back in konoia. So, so listen to this. Our fellowship should lead to sharing with others, lead to generosity with others. Christianity is sharing others, the good news of Jesus Christ and everything good that we have with others. Because Jesus shared his life with us. That's the motivation. That's the fellowship. Now, some of you say, well, boy, it kind of sounds like communism. You know? Some of you in the church, you got some stuff. Why don't you start sharing it? Right? Is that what it's teaching? Well, Warren Wearsby, the late pastor, Warren Wearsby puts it this way. This was not a modern form of communism because communism is forced. You have to share. This was voluntary, and it was out of love, Wearsby goes on to say. And you know what I found in this church? I found this type of fellowship, this type of generosity, where you care for one another and you share with one another. Yes, each, part is, each person is supposed to, to carry their own load, but when that load is too heavy, I found that you, and I just I applaud you, you care for one another and you help each other. It's awesome. And that goes back to connecting with each other. So critical. So important. Salvation and fellowship belong to one another. See, earlier, um, Elder Wayne Baxter, he prayed for Russia and Ukraine. And over there, our, our Ukrainian church planter describes to us often that the Russian troops are forcing them to share what they have which really isn't sharing, it's just forced sharing. The church there, though, shares liberally and voluntarily in the midst of that forced communism. So today, how are you going to connect with others? Maybe today as you, you uh, go to the ministry fair, you discover, I need to join a small group. Or I need to join Alpha, or I need to join a prayer group, or Prime Time Plus, or Young Adults, or a youth group, or a Bible study. There, there are so many ways. Another way to connect with others is on a personal level, out into the communities through our whole BLESS strategy. BLESS stands for begin with prayer, listen to the need, eat with others, eat with that person, then serve that need as you discover it as best as possible. Maybe you have others join you in serving that need. And finally, share the story, the story of Jesus. 
we've been talking to you about this the last couple years and, um, and all the way through Christmas. This is our, our whole opportunity to bless our community. We believe we're here not for ourselves, but to bless others. So what's the four, first core, core value? Love, Love God. God. What's the second one? Connect with others. Here's the third one. Serve the community. Serve the community. I already talked a little bit about this in verse 45. And it says, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. That's even outside the church, as any had need. This is really important. This is how the church fulfilled the mandate that Jesus had given in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. So let your, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and what? Praise our Father in heaven. It's not about us. It's not about glory for ourselves. The early church were heavenly minded, and because they were heavenly minded, they were earthly good. They were helping others. And that's what we have to do. You know, out of that, I believe, creates a space where God has greater freedom to work. Verse 43, it says this, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. Now, I've got to tell you something dangerous, because it, it's dangerous because it might be misunderstood. In my 27 years as a pastor, I have never experienced so many miracles as we've experienced this summer. And we haven't been, we've been praying, but we haven't just been praying and pursuing the sign. We've hopefully been pursuing the Savior, right? The sign just points us to the Savior. A few weeks ago, we had a bunch of testimonies about healings and God working, and those are just a few scratching the surface. Last year, we went through a, a really difficult challenge of, of suffering. We tried to learn a theology of suffering because we want to understand and be balanced, understand that all those who are godly must suffer, but God is also working in our midst. And I think he's doing that just to get people's attention, to be interested in his son, Jesus, who is the Savior, who heals not just physically, but does so spiritually. And so as you continue to read in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, we see some of these outcomes of loving God and connecting with others and serving the community. It says in verse 47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. As we have an opportunity to do good, especially to the household of God, we serve the community. That's why all of our values add up to something that we, we talk a lot about here. We are for Cambridge. We're for the Waterloo region, for Ontario, for Canada, and for the world. Because Jesus is for the world. He's been sent as a gift. We do not exist for ourselves. I got to tell you, when I first came to Temple 11 years ago, I asked a question. I said, what is Temple known for? And I really thank you for your honesty. At that time, I said, we were, we were either not known or we're known for some bad things. And by God's grace, I think that that's starting to shift a little bit. Where we're trying to communicate that we're not just for ourselves, but we're for the city. We're for the region. 
Not to, not to like rubber stamp everything that they do. In fact, we believe that that still involves truth as we communicate. But this is why we have this facility, in order to be as a tool to bless our community. That's why we're calling you today, some of you, to be community liaisons, to serve when community groups come in here, when um, you're going out into the community, whether that's at the bridges or the food bank or serving in some capacity as small groups or as individuals or as your families. These are ways that you can serve the community. And I got to tell you one more thing here. Some of you who've had a lot of ministry service through the years, you feel like you're sidelined, don't you? You're like, what else can I do? I don't, have, I don't have the energy. I don't have the ability. I did my time, but I sure still want to, to serve. What I want us to all do for a moment is just to put our, our hands in front of our face and breathe out. Do you feel anything? If you do, that means you're still alive. <laughs> That means you haven't retired from ministry. And I want to tell you today that the king, Jesus, is redeploying you to serve. There are ways where you can serve out there. We told you a few weeks ago, Al LaCroix gave his testimony, his prayer ministry, that God is using to help rescue people's lives of discouragement and despair. Serve the community. And do so as you have felt the love and connection with others because ultimately you love God. This is our action point. Today is a day where we get to fellowship with each other with some corn and some hot dogs, some drinks. We get to learn how to serve. So love God. Connect with others. And serve the community. Let's pray. God... I know here maybe some today, this is the first time they've ever heard that Jesus actually came to, to take their place on a cross for their rebellion, their sins. Or maybe today's the day of salvation too for some of them. Would you speak into their heart? Let them know that, that you deeply love them, that you sent your son Jesus for them as you have for us on that cross. And Lord, help us now out of, out of being born of God, as we read earlier, that we can now love you truly, and that we can connect with others, and that we can serve the community. Because we're not worried now anymore about what other people think about us. That's already been taken care of. We, we know what really matters is what you think of us, and you love us. And we pray in that mighty name of Jesus Christ. God's people said, amen and amen.